Come on, fellas. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Happy Father's Day to all the men in the house. We love you. We're proud of you. We're proud that you're fighting the good fight and you're finishing the course that God has prepared for you. For real, man. Thank you. Thank you for the weight that you carry every single day. And thank you that even though a lot of people have no idea how hard it is to do what you do, from our church to you, from this house to your house, we want to say, what's up? You're doing a good job, and we're proud of you. Uh, let's go to God, the ultimate, most amazing father on the planet, and then let's see if we can get to our conversation on today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the men in the house. God, thank you. Will you remind every last one of us that we are fully 100% accepted. Therefore, we don't have to perform for your love. You have already accepted us just the way we are. So help us to lead our families, not for acceptance, but from acceptance. Help us to lead them courageously. And may every man under the sound of my voice say the same thing. As for me and my house, we will continue to serve the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Prepare every heart, prepare every mind, uh, make it be good ground so that when your word gets implanted, it will grow. And people will know that we're Christians by our love for one another and by our affections that we have for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. Thanks for being here again. We are so appreciative of that. Um, on today, I want to continue what I started last week, which is a series on this concept called waiting, waiting, waiting. None of us like it. Uh, it's almost like, you remember, remember back in the day, some of you might still have it, you have this timer that you put on to make sure that uh, you can walk away and come back. And by the time you come back, you check the oven and the meat is done. You remember that? And we'd walk away, you'd turn the timer on and you'd give it, you know, however much time. And then you'd walk away and you'd go do some stuff. And then the timer would either go off or you think that the time is coming now where it should be done. And then you go, timer goes off, you open the oven, and then you go to check the meat. Oftentimes, oftentimes, by the time you come back, the meat's not quite yet done. You, you either stick into it, cut a little piece off, and then you find out it's not quite done yet. And you know what you have to do? You got to put it back. You got to give it a little more time for it to be fully ready. Well, in this series, all I'm trying to teach you today is that you don't have to wait till God comes back to see if you're really done. All you have to do is make sure you do what the Bible says while you are being prepared for God. Because last week we said, here's what we said, God has not forgotten you when you're in the waiting room. What we suggested was that God is preparing you. You remember, we talked about this last time. We said the reason you're in the waiting room is that God is trying to prepare you. He's doing something inside of you, and sometimes he will come down and soup you out. Sometimes he will sit with you in the waiting room, and then sometimes he's trying to change you while you stay in the waiting room. Last week, we suggested that many of us, the, the fatal mistake many of us um, do is that we have these hopes, these desires, and these dreams. 
And here's what we do with them. You want to travel the world. You want to get married. You want to have a kid. You want to get well. You want to get a better car, better house, better, better job. You want all these things. And for some reason, every now and again, God will allow you to be in the waiting room and won't give it to you as soon as you ask. And therefore, what we have a tendency to do, which is a fatal flaw, please, scoot up, listen to me. What I'm about to teach you, I, you must never, ever do. Here's what we have a tendency to do. We want to travel the world, so we says, God, we're going to make this not just our hopes and dreams. We're going to make it an expectation. That's massive, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to make it an expectation. Then we said, God, we want a better car, so we're going to make it an expectation. We want to have kids. We can't have kids. We're going to make it a, a, an expectation. We want, we want all these things, and we're going to make it an expectation. The problem is, when you make your hopes, dreams, and desires an expectation, you now put a burden on God, at least so you think. Or what secondly happens is you now say, God, you owe me this. God, you better give this to me. God, I don't care what happens, but I want this. Listen, a lot of Christians gets messed up here. You say to God, God, you owe me. So then you're walking around and you pace in the waiting room. This is you. You paste it. When am I going to get out? 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 And God, and then you turn to God and say, God, what's wrong with you? I've been faithful. I've been trying to do the right thing. And you're not letting me out of the waiting room. To which God says, hold on. Why are you making a demand of me? Why do you think I owe you anything? Why do you think I owe you anything? And the mere fact that you know that you think God owes you is because you're not grateful for all the other things that he has done. You're not walking around thanking God for all the things that he has blessed you with. You're walking around moping about the thing that you don't have. And it's fatal for many people. For many people, they leave the faith because of this. That's how serious this is. They leave the faith and they say, God, what kind of God are you if you don't give me what I want? Do you hear how dangerous that sounds? What kind of God are you if you don't give me the stuff I want? Ladies and gentlemen, I really am trying to set you free. Don't set yourself up like that. God is not a pawn for you to play with. You're putting yourself in the God position, and you're letting God be in the human position. God is not a man for you to fool around with. He is God. Which is why we've got to be careful that we don't set these expectations or demands up for God and tell him what he must or must not do. But I know I got a Bible scholar over there, so I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, pastor, here's what the Bible says too. The Bible says we ought to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. So what you mean I can't expect that of God? Okay, come here. Let me tell you what you ought to do instead. What you ought to do is to make sure, and you need to say to God, God, um, I am going to empty my expectation box, and I am going to have you redefine my request box. In other words, God, I'm going to ask you, but I'm not going to demand it of you, because then that would make me God. I'm going to say, God, I'd love to have kids. I'm going to say, God, I'd love to travel the world. I'm going to say, God, I'd love to have a new car, a better job, better health. God, that's what I'd like. But I'm not going to demand it of you. Instead, I'm going to say, if this is a part of your will, God, then at a time convenient to you, I would like to have these things. That's a completely different story. Now, here's the problem. Pastor, how do I know if it's a demand or a request? How do I know? If you're thinking about it all day, every day. It's a demand. 
If, if, if you get on all of, the, um, all, of the, all of the online dating sites and you're on it every day and you're looking for everybody who's, who, has, who has recognized you today, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, it's, not a, it's not a request. It's a demand. If you want to justify to God why you deserve this and why you must have this and you can give all the ten reasons why you are worthy to have it, then it's not a, it's not a request. It's a demand. The problem with it is then you get to sit in the waiting room a little longer because God's not going to play with you and make you manipulate him to get what you want. In other words, let's try and see if we can get to some new material. Here's what God's trying to do. He's trying to walk you through his process of waiting. Please, I'm asking you, you need, to, you need to embrace this because it's the truth about your heavenly father. He's trying to get you to do something when you're in the rating room. We talked about it last week. He's saying, you start out by fighting me, and you're fighting me because you want what you want, and you could not care one rip about what God wants. So you're saying, God, I want what I want. Give me. I need it. It's an expectation. Then you go to hurting, and at hurting, you begin to say, but God, I just want this so badly, but I love you too but I want this. And now you're hurting because you're beginning to give up and you're beginning to realize you're not God. Then you got to go to knowing and you're knowing that God has a plan for you and it's not to hurt you. It's actually for your good and for your benefit and for the benefit of everybody attached to you. Once you get to know that, now you begin changing. What are you changing? You're changing so that you desire God's dreams more than your dreams. Now, because of your intimacy with God, because you're walking with God, because you're practicing the disciplines of spiritual formation, now you are realizing that everything you want is really all about you. So now you're trying to say, God, what's your best for me? Now you're trying to begin the process of becoming more and more mature. So much so until you get to trusting where you're saying, like my boy Abraham did, not God, here we go, here go my son. The thing I wanted the most, here go my son, my only, my only son. And then God said to him, now I know that you love me. Ladies and gentlemen, when you're in the waiting room, God's simply trying to ask you, will you please trust me? Because waiting does not mean stop. It means trust. He wants you to trust him. So the next time you're in a waiting room, which is right now, he wants you to trust him. God, how am I going to trust you more and more and more? All right, that's all review, everybody. Now let's go to some new material. Let's see if we can get through it. Here we go. Uh, take your notes. If you don't have your notes, go to the app, and you can download the notes there, or you can go to our website and see it there as well. Here's my thesis. When, when, when what you are waiting for become what you are hoping in, this is very dangerous. When what you are waiting for become what you are hoping in, this becomes very dangerous. One more time. When what you are waiting for become what you are hoping in, it's where your trust is going. That is a very dangerous position to be in. Ladies and gentlemen, be careful as we, you know, one of the things that people have been trying to remind people of the theology in the midst of our anthropological problems right now. Here's what you need to remember. Your solution is not found to the race issue. Your solution is not found in what you can do. It is found in what God will do. Listen to me, because that's why people say, Pastor, you don't need to pray no more. Let's put prayer on the side. We all need to pray. Listen, listen, listen. When, listen, 
when what you are waiting for becomes what you are hoping in. That is very dangerous. And you're not going to hear that on CNN, Fox, or MSN. You're not going to hear it on any of those. But I am telling you, body of Christ gathered at one community church. When what you are hoping for, listen, becomes what you are, what you are hoping in, when what you're waiting for becomes what you're hoping in, it is a very dangerous position to be in. Which is why we've told you already, you got to pray. The, 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 the civil rights movement, once they were coming through, it always started in the church. Because they hoped in God, not in only their efforts. It started with a faith. It started with a value system. Then they protested. Then they went to policymaking. We're going to talk about that in a, little, in a little while. But I need you to hear that do not hope in the thing you're waiting for. Single lady, single man, don't hope in. Well, when I get this, everything's going to be better. Are you kidding me? When I get this person, everything's going to be better. That's a dangerous place to live in. When I, just, I can't be happy until I get this house. Are you kidding me? Are you missing out on all the things that God's given to you and you just want to focus on this one thing? Be very careful when you get there. Um, 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 I want you to go now to your notes and I want you to see the two questions that we often ask. The first one says this. The first one says, um, two questions. Number one, when... Will the wait end? Number two, when will I get what I was waiting for? Notice both questions. When will the wait end? It's a timing question. When will I get what I was waiting for? When, when am I going to get it? Does the cool questions, when and what? When and what? When you're in the waiting room, you have a tendency. So do I. To sit here. And this is you. When, God, when, oh, when, God, when. And then you, what, God, when can I get what I want, God? When can I get what I want, God? Those are the wrong two questions to ask. You should never ask those two questions. The, the W you need to ask about is the who. God, how do I need to zoom in and focus on you in the midst of my wait? The question is not when. The question is not what. The question is who. Now, little did I know that there was a perfect passage that teed this whole conversation up, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 40. Let's jump in and see what, what's happening in this text. Now, to understand this text fully, you have to understand the context. Remember, whenever you read in a passage, don't just take a verse and just, and just uh, say, I'm going to live by this verse without knowing the context of the verse. So I'm going I'm to read for you in a moment one of the most popular uh, passages in all of Scripture, but you need to understand the context that it's nestled in. So, it's in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah has about 66 chapters to the book. Now, when they originally wrote it, they had no chapters, but the, the, the authors and the guys that did it, they, they divided it up into six, 66 books. Verse 39 deals with the crisis and what's going on. Verse 42 to verse 66 now deals, chapter 42 to 66 now deals with the, the salvation and how God and what God has planned. Let me give it a context. Um, uh, Israel is divided into northern and southern kingdom. The northern kingdom has been taken uh, by the Assyrians. And so now the southern kingdom is, is worried that another country is going to come and take them back into captivity. Okay? Um, the way things developed in these, in, back in the day was that when, when, a, large when a large country uh, wanted to get more powerful, they would take over a smaller country and they would then pay taxes to the larger country so that they will have an alignment and they will protect them. 
You see the problem yet? So Israel, instead of trusting God while they were in the waiting room, they decided that they were going to have alliances with other countries so that they could protect them. Sounds familiar to me and you? It sure does. So now they made alliances with Egypt, and so they wanted Egypt to protect them, and they were paying. Now the bigger country that was coming after them now is Babylon, and Babylon wants to take them into captivity. So Egypt, uh, Israel is complaining first why Egypt is not taking care of them, and then we pick it up right here. Now listen to the text. I'm telling you, read the Bible. It's great. Here we go. Um, Verse number 27 of Isaiah chapter 40. Jacob, why do you say, and Israel, why do you assert, my way is hidden from the Lord and my claim is ignored by my God? Do you hear it yet? My way is hidden from the Lord and my claim is ignored by God. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. Here's what they're doing. They're in the waiting room too, everybody. And they're saying, God, they're saying, God, why have you forgive, forgotten me? God, why is my way, why is my way not known by you? They have, they have, they are currently thinking, God, you have forgotten us. Why are you not coming to our rescue? Do you see the problem yet? Now, they are projecting to God what they and the, and the Egyptians were going through. Don't you do the same thing? You do it. Let me tell you how. God, I just got a house that I cannot afford, and now they furloughed me, and now I can't afford it. God, why would you do this to me? Whoa, 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 whoa. Who told you to go get that house that you could not afford? But now you want to blame God for the house you couldn't afford. Okay, okay, you're not feeling that one. Um, um, God, why is it that this woman that you gave me is so cantankerous? I can't stand her. Why would you give me such a... But, but whoa, 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 come here. But she wasn't saved. She was just fine when you met her, but she wasn't saved. So why now you blaming God, talking to God about this woman when you didn't care about God's word? When you met her, you just cared about her fineness. What's wrong with you? Okay, 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 okay. You know, I feel that. You I feel that. You I feel that. Um, God... God, I can't keep a job, and so God, why, why, why wouldn't you give me a job where everybody like me? Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come on, nobody. Hey, no, 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 no. God asked you to walk in the Spirit. He didn't ask your co-workers to walk in the Spirit unless they saved. So your job it is to go wherever you are and show the world what it looks like to be a Christian. So don't complain to God about why you're losing your job. Take responsibility for that and realize that you can't now blame God for the mess you done created. That's what they're doing. Oftentimes, we're in the waiting room begging God when really what some of us have done is we've left the waiting room got what we want outside of the will of God and then come back in the waiting room sitting there talking about God when you going to give me the next blessing. Be careful because all they were doing is projecting to God what the issues were that they were going through right now. So here we go. That's the context. That's the context. Let's read the rest of the passage. Here's what the passage says. This is so good. Here's what the passage says. Here's what the passage says. The passage says, um, let me give you God's resume. 
Let me tell you who your God is. Because clearly he's saying some of you have forgotten. He says, here's what I want to do for you right now. I am going to remind you of who your God is. So let me give you God's track record. Here's what he says. Um, Verse number 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives you four attributes of God. Here's what he basically says. He basically says this. He basically says, listen to me now. He says, if God can handle the greatest problem in the world, why can't he handle your latest problem? If he can handle the greatest one, sin. If he can handle the greatest one, getting the children of Israel out of Egypt and to the promised land. If he can handle those massive issues, why do you think he can't handle yours? Why do you think? The question becomes, who are you listening to? Because clearly you're not listening to God. Because God is going to remind you of who he is. So he starts out and he says, first of all, I am the everlasting God. So because you and your little 70 years that you got, God says, before you were even thought of, I was there. After you done been gone for a billion years, I'm still going to be there. Because I'm not operating in time like you are. So don't, don't bring your little problems to me and treat them like they're that big. Because to God, since he is the everlasting God, since he's the Alpha and Omega, before time and after time, he's still there. Then there is no problem you have that he cannot solve. So you must ask yourself, God, then why you have me in the waiting room? But don't you dare question the, the, the authority and the sovereignty of your God because he's not doing something to meet your little needs that you got right now. Then he changes it. He says, not only am I above time, he says, number two, I'm the creator. Listen to what he says. Listen to the attribute. He could have given any attributes. He says, one, I'm everlasting, so I'm not into your little time clock. Then he says, I'm the creator. What does that mean? He says, I'm the one that created something out of nothing. When there was nothing there, if I'm this good, then I can create, I can just get some dirt and just put a dude together and say, boom, go ahead, dude, go ahead, go ahead, dude. Then I can just get a rib and just, boom, go ahead, Eve, go ahead, Eve. If I can do that, then what's your little problem that you got? If I'm that good, then why wouldn't you want to trust me? If I am the creator of all things, then why would you ever doubt my track record? Why would you ever question me that I've forgotten you in the midst of the waiting room? Why would you? He's just recalling who and what he is. He goes on. Number three, not only is he that, then he says, number, verse, uh, verse, number, verse number 28, he says, he never grows faint or weary. You know the reason why you won't grow faint or weary? Because he doesn't. And if you're depending on him, since he won't grow faint or weary, since he is omnipotent, since nothing can exhaust his power then you shouldn't have to worry about anything either. Because he says, you need to depend on me. You need to trust me. That's our goal. Trust in God. If he ain't going to grow weary, so won't you. Because he's all powerful. Then lastly, he says, I'm omniscient. There's nothing I don't know. There's nothing I'm not aware of. There's nothing I'm not intricately involved, either in allowing it or either in testing you. So in the midst of that, I know what I'm doing. Why would you want to question the goodness and the greatness and the vastness and the sovereignty of the God that you serve? He's given you his track record. And he says, I know what I'm doing, so don't question the God 
that you serve. That's what he says. He has to give it a track record first. So here's what he says. I, now, now notice, I don't mind waiting because God has a good track record. Okay. Um, um, uh, you know what's funny about this? You know how to do this for many things that you do. You do know how to, how to wait. You do. I know you know. Some of you want to get your kids in one of these fancy schools around here. You know what you do? The day you find out you're pregnant, you go sign them up for that particular school. Uh-huh. I know some of y'all. No, 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 no. You go sign them up for the school because you want, when they come, when they get to kindergarten, you want to make sure that they're already signed up and you will wait. And when they say, no, you're not ready yet or you don't have something yet, you're going to wait and you're going to wait and you're going to wait. You know why you're waiting? Because you know that if your kids goes to one of the saints, if your kid go to one of them schools, you know that the, that the track record of the school is so good that the trajectory of your kids gets so much higher. Well, if you trust a school like that, why wouldn't you trust your almighty God? If you trust, if you trust some, some human beings to create a curriculum so that your kid can be so great, then why won't you trust the Almighty God. We know how to do it, all right? We know how to wait. We just don't. And by the way, even when they tell you no, you don't get mad. You just say, okay, okay, son, okay, daughter, let's work a little harder. Let's work a little harder. You're not raising hell, at, excuse me, but you ain't raising canes at their school. You know what you're doing? You're like, let me do it. Let me do it. <laughs> let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. And you, and you but, but let it be God. Let it be God. Well, why, why God don't fix this right now? What kind of God is that? I, that's why I don't believe in that stuff no more. That's why that's a white man's religion. I can't stand this. I, and you waited to chew out God because he's not operating on your time schedule. We do it all the time, ladies and gentlemen. He has a track record that you can depend on. Don't let any news outlet deceive you into thinking that your God it's not everlasting, it's not creator, it's not omnipotent, and it's not omniscient. Can I get a witness, somebody? Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness? All right, here we go. So, here we go. Let's go to the notes because some of you like notes. So, let's go do it. So, it's not what or when, but it's who. It's not your circumstances that you need to be focused on, but it's Christ. It's not the thing that drains you that you need to be focused on, but it's the thing that will, and he who will fill you that you need to be focused on. And so it's who Christ and fills you. Then we go into this idea of, 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 of where are you getting your news from? And then we said, here's who God is. He is everlasting. He is, number two, the creator. He is, number three, omnipotent. He is, number four, Omniscient. He's the all-powerful, all-knowing God. That's the front of your page for those of you who love notes. Okay, can we move on now? We got to get going. Here we go. Here we go. So watch this. He doesn't give them a new revelation about who he is. He just brings them up to who his attributes are and what his attributes are for their recollection. He's not giving them new revelation. He's just recalling for them who God is. This is the God who took us out. Of Egypt. That's what he says. So let's continue now. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I want you to turn to Psalm 40. I want you to turn to Psalm 40. Go to it. Go to it for me. Psalm, Psalm 40. And I want you to see who your God is. And I want you to see a particular reason why he has you in this waiting room. Here we go. 
Psalm 40. Watch the text. You ought to put an asterisk beside this one. You ought to mark this one down because this is going to help you sometime, if not today, in your future. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, David says. I waited patiently for him. And he turned to me and heard my cry for help. David waited patiently. He's in the waiting room. He says, I'm going to hang out here for a little while. He waited, and God heard his cry for help. Listen to what God did. He brought me up from a desolate pit. You find yourself in a pit today? David says, if you just wait patiently, he's going to bring you up. Here's what David said. Don't try bring yourself out. He will bring you up. He continues. This ain't the good part yet. He continues. Out of a muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth. That's how, that's how you know God brought you out. Because you got to write a song about the experience and how he miraculously took you out of this situation. Or how he miraculously allowed you to be stable and emotionally well in the midst of not getting what you want. That's when you have to write a new song. He continues. A hymn of praise to our God. Here we go now. Here we go. Here we go. Put an asterisk beside this. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. How happy is the man who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud, to those who run after lies. Let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying this. He's saying the longer you wait in the waiting room, the more people get to see you wait. The longer you wait, the more contented you are while you wait, the more people get to see you wait. Listen, and the more people get to know Jesus Christ because you're waiting. The world is watching to see whether or not your faith makes any sense. Or if they're just like they cuss when you're they're in the waiting room, are you cussing when you're in the waiting room? Just like they take matters into their own hand when they're in the waiting room, the world that is, they're in the waiting room, are you taking matters in your hand when you're in the waiting room? God says, one of the reasons I allow you to be in there is because I want the world to see how a Christ follower behaves when they don't get what they want and how they run hard after God when they don't get what they want. And the world needs to see people who realize, I know I don't have, don't have what I want, but I'm praying for God's will to be done. But I'm going to trust him because I know when this thing comes full circle, God's going to get the glory and other people are going to be saved because of this. What we have today... It's a bunch of Christians that look just like the world, just like they whine, you whine, just like they come up with ways to get what they want, you do the same thing. Come on, family. What makes us different? How are we going to be the light? How are we going to be the salt? If when we're in the waiting room, we acting just like them. If when we're in the waiting room and we ain't seen change quick enough, we want to do the things they do. Are you kidding me right now? Then why are you any different? What, what, what the heck good is Jesus inside of you if you look just like the world? And he's saying, I got a plan for you. And the plan is I want you to be such a light that the world says, whoa, I want to be emotionally stable in the midst of this storm just like they are. That's what God's after. That's what he says. I'm not making it up. Verse number 40. Look at, look at the last verse. Verse number 5. Lord, my God, you have done many things. Your wonderful works and your plans for us, none can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. 
What you should be saying in this waiting room is not looking at what you don't have, but looking at how many things you do have. And in light of that, you ought to start writing them down and journaling them. God, thank you for all the things you've given me. That's why you have to have a little grateful or a little aiming corner for yourself where you just go right down every now and again and stack something on a little area that you have in your house where you just say, this is my grateful corner. Let me just go over there and tell God thank you for this again. Write it down and put it there. And whenever you don't get what you want, you need to go back over there and then just pick one thing up. Oh, my God. I, God, how can I forget what you have done? Put it back down. Whenever you want to get frustrated again, go back right over there again and say, God, thank you, because we're so ungrateful because we're focusing on the thing we want so badly. Come on, let's go back over because the, the passage gets good after this. Let's go back over to Isaiah, and let's go to Isaiah chapter 40 again and see how he's going to land this plane. Here's what he says next. Here's what he says next. Uh, he says, um, he gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. You may faint and grow weary, youth um, may faint and grow weary, and young men stumble and fail. Here's what he's saying. You will not, God will not come to your aid if you believe you got the strength to overcome the situation that you find yourself in. God only celebrates the humble. So if you're in the waiting room and you're prancing, oh, I'm going to get this done. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You just wait. You just wait and see. Oh, I ain't staying in here long. The other day, um, I usually go to the Volvo dealership. Whenever I go to the Volvo, I've got a Volvo. Whenever I go to the Volvo dealership, I, I usually never do an appointment. I never, they, they, they want you to do an appointment, but usually I just show up and they say, give me no, I don't say give me. Can I please have a car? And so they usually, uh, if, I, if, I, if it's right, I'll go in and they say, do you have an appointment, sir? And I'll say, nope. And I say, I don't ever have an appointment. And so then they say, um, well, then we don't have a car. And they're like, can we take you somewhere? I said, I don't want you to take me anywhere. I want my own car. So give me my own. I said, can I please have my own car? And, and then that's usually what happens. So one day, one day, one day, this is recent. I'm talking to Pastor Matt, and we're on there, and we're saying, hey, um, um, I'm driving to the dealership. I said, oh, no, I'm going to get a car, Pastor Matt. I promise you I'm going to get a car. I'm going to get a car. I promise you I'm going to get a car. Pastor Matt's like, no, you're not. Mm -mm. The, the, it's the, the people are just coming out of COVID. You ain't going to get no car. I said, Pastor Matt, you watch me. I'm you see what's happening? I think I'm all that. So I drive in that dealership. I'm driving, hey, uh, yeah, I'm here. They're like, they're like literally 40 cars waiting. I'm driving, hey, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Do you have an appointment? No, I never have one. I mean, I've, I've got a Volvo, and you need to give me a car. I mean, can I please have a car? Uh, uh, give me a car. So anyways, so, so then the guy says, well, well, sir, we have a full day. We don't have any cars. So then I said, I said, I said, uh, uh, no, you, I've always gotten a car. So just go find one off the new lot, bring it over. And this, I literally said this, go find one off the new lot, bring it over, and you can get a car. I know you can do it. I know how this goes. You can do it. Go get one and bring it back over here. And, you know, I'm arguing with this guy, and I'm going back and forth. And then, and then the guy said, sir, 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 you're not listening to me. We have no cars. He didn't say it like that, though, but he was firm. And I said, and I said, no, sir, no, 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 no. You listen to me. You got a new car over there? Get that new car off the lot. I ain't going to drive far and give it a new car. I know how this works. You can go to general manager, everybody, just give me my car. That's all I want, give you a car. I'm not taking no bus to go nowhere. I need a car. Do you hear the arrogance behind everything I'm saying? There's a point to this story. So anyways, at the end of the day, the dude says, sir, you can drive straight through the service center, but there are no cars for you. We're not giving you none. So I had to tuck my little tail and drove off not having a car. You know why? 
Because I went in there demanding that I get one. You ever like that to God? Demanding that you get it. Demanding. That's all I was. God says, when you're like that, I'm not coming to your rescue. Because you think, you know why you can't come to your rescue? Because then if I did that, then I would think every time I go, I can do the same thing. And I'm going to get a car because I'm doing it in my strength. You do the same. I'm going to find me a man. I'm going to find me one. I'm gonna find, okay, keep going. Keep looking. You're going to find one, all right. Mm-hmm. You're going to find one. Anyways, so when you find it, God's not going to come to your aid. And that's the dangerous position that you don't ever want to be in. God says, the people who I come to their aid, that's who I go after. So when you, when you don't have it all together, God leans into you. God's greatness is making himself work for you. God is looking for people who will let him work for them. Do you see how amazing that is? Most people think God wants, God wants them to work work for him. That's what most people think. But that's not what happens in Christianity. In Christianity, God says, if you just humble yourself, I would consider it an honor to come live my life through you. God says, I want to come to your aid and I want to work for you. Are you kidding me? The God of the universe says, I want to work through you. But the only way to do it is if you humble yourself and say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. No, once the condition has been set, and you now agree, God, okay, here we go. Not my will, but thy will be done. Now, watch the next verse. Here's what he says happened. Here's what he says happened. He says, he says, verse number, verse number 31. Here's what he says. But those who trust in the Lord, he will renew their strength. Stop right there. There are too many words here. Here's the promise. If you wait on the Lord. If you don't try to fix it yourself, if you don't run out of the waiting room, he says, I will, and he uses a word called renew, renew. I will renew their strength. The word simply means exchange. I will exchange your weakness, and I will give you my strength. But only people that get it is those who are humble and those who are willing to say, God, I can't do it. I want what you want from me more than I want what I want from me. Therefore, God, I will. God says, now that you're in that position, I'm going to give you my strength. And I'm going to take your weakness. That's the beautiful promise that God says. But it only is for those who are willing to wait on the Lord. Then he says, watch the next verse now. Then he says, then he says, then he says. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Now I want you to watch the order. In, in, in our lives, we think walk, run, soar. When God's doing it, you soar, then you run, then you walk. He reverses the order. Watch this now. Why does he use the word eagles? It comes out of Exodus. Because he says that in Exodus, he took Israel on his wings and he flew them out of Egypt. That's the word he uses. Why does he use eagles? Well, I want you to take a look in a moment at a video that I want you to see. It's just a short, short clip. And I want you to see, as they put an eagle in a wind tunnel, I want you to see what this eagle does. Take a look. And I can just feel the wind beginning to build now. And the first thing that Sasha does is go from sitting vertically on my fist to her body going horizontal and the wings spreading. Okay, now what we're seeing really is the kind of classic pose of an eagle gliding. 
The wings are almost at full stretch now. You can see the flight feathers, the primary flight feathers, almost like fingers at the end of the wings. And these feathers here, called alula feathers, they're the ones making the micro adjustments to keep him stable. So he has to use no force, no effort at all. He hasn't even once had to flap his wings to keep in this position. And now, even though I've still got a hold of him, he's totally weightless. Do you see what the eagle does? Now, there's, there's a difference between an eagle and a duck. You know what the duck does? The duck just flaps, flaps, flaps. The duck working hard. Flap, 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 flap. That's what a duck does. And the duck tries to help itself get out of situations that it finds itself in. Can I tell you about the eagle now? The eagle in every hour. This is so profound. Why does God use an eagle? The eagle in every hour, the eagle flaps his wings for two minutes of that hour. And the other 58 minutes, he's just fully extended, taking advantage of the wind as the wind takes it to new heights. You know what God's saying? Can you quit flapping yourself? Can you quit trying to help yourself? And can you just get started by trusting me? And watch me take you to heights that you've never seen before. Ladies and gentlemen, he uses this image so powerfully. Let me tell you something else about an eagle. Do you know that when an eagle sees a hurricane or a storm, the eagle doesn't fly away from it like most of the birds. The eagle, woo, flies straight into straight into the storm. Why? Because the eagle is looking for the low pressure in the eye of the storm. And once the eagle finds the low pressure, then it extends its wings and its wings then takes it above the hurricane and above the storm. So now it can look at the storm, but it's no longer in the storm. Can I get a witness? Somebody. What your heavenly father wants you to do is he wants you to trust him because those who wait on him, he will renew your strength. That's why you don't have to keep flapping. You flap twice by trusting him and then watch him take you places you never dreamt you would ever be. So he says, will you wait on me? Will you trust me? Will you believe that I know what I'm doing in the midst of the storm? That's all he's asking us to do. He continues. He says, they will, they will run and then he'll give you a second wind because you won't grow weary. He says, he says, it's almost as if you're running and the moment you're starting to get fatigued and tired, he says, let me take over and let me take you to places and distances that you've never done. Then he says, as you get older in life and you start walking, he says, you will walk. But like most people who don't know me, they might faint, but not you because I'm going to give you the power because it's not your strength anymore, it's my strength. And I'll take you and I'll allow you to wait until I get to the destination I have for you. Uh, one of the things I enjoy doing is I enjoy preparing for my parents to come here. I love when they said, son, we're coming and we're going to leave Jamaica and we're coming and we're going to spend. They don't come for no two days. They're going to spend a month and a half when they get here. Now, let me tell you what I got to do when they come. They're coming, and I got to wait for them to come, and I got to wait for them to come, and I got to wait. But while I'm waiting, I got to go to a store called Fiesta because the food they eat different than the food I eat. I got to go to a Chinese store off of, off of, off of uh, Greenville because I got to go to this Chinese and this Korean store because they got some stuff in that store that regular stores don't have because they got to prepare for the food that they want to eat 
Me too, by the way. But they want to eat, so they got to prepare it and stuff. But so I got to prepare. So the, the freezer is packed with food, right? After I do that, then I got to prepare their friends because they know everybody in the church now. So I guess, hey, can you take Monday? Can you take Tuesday? Can you? And I got to do all this preparing, all this preparing for my family and my mom and dad when they come here, right? I got to go prepare the room for them. I got to make sure the guest room is fine, all that I am preparing. I am working while I am waiting for them to get here. I do all of that, accommodation, food, friends, who they're going to spend time with. I do everything so that when they get here, they have a seamless experience for a month that they're here. Can I tell you what God's trying to tell you? Will you prepare for me while you wait? Will you, uh, will you adjust your whole life, your whole routine, so that you can say, God, how do I best hear from you in this moment? How do I best enjoy your presence in this moment so much so that I create a whole world around you because you're trying to get me to trust you more? Let me show you the rest of the notes now. Come on, let's go back to it. Let's see if we can land this. So here's what he's saying. Um, at the conclusion, Isaiah 40, verse 31, he wants you to, dip, uh, to have a relationship with God. Then he wants you to have a reliance upon God. And then he wants you then to get the results from God. What we have in this world is too many people that wants the, re- wants the results without the relationship. Or you want to rely on him a little bit, but not fully. God says, no, you got to have the relationship, intimacy with me. Then you got to trust me just like the eagle does for me to take the eagle to a whole new level so that you can get the results from me. And then I want to close by putting it in the context of a concern I have for all Christians across this country and really across the world. See, I am concerned as we tee up the waiting room on this race and injustice, and injustice discussion. I am concerned that, 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 that we're looking just like the world. I'm concerned. We're doing, as a church, you need to know, we're doing a whole lot of stuff. We're, doing, we're praying behind the scenes. We're doing protests. We have another one coming up in August that you'll hear about as the, all the churches in Collin County get together. And then this last week, we had two people that went up, to, went up to Washington to do some policy development with some of the people that are significant people there. Can't tell you too much about that yet, but we will. I promise you we will. And we'll have an interview here when you'll know fully all the things we're doing. But here's my concern. My concern is that a lot of people are just getting frustrated, mad, and emotional. And I don't mind any of those, except when they leave God out. That's the danger. So I'm going to give you five things I think you should be doing while you wait with reference to this deal, and then we're done for today. Number one, number one, I think as Christians, we need to be silent no more. I do. I think we need to be silent no more. What do I mean by that? I think whenever you see injustices, whenever you see racism, I think you need to call it out to the powers that be, whoever those are. I think one of the things you need to do, if you work for a bank, for example, and you see unfair practices where where white uh, small businesses are getting loans and African-American small business or, or Asian small business are not getting loans, I think you need to say, hey, can you help me to understand that? I think you need to be silent no more. When you go and you see issues happening in the supermarket and you see somebody treat an African-American unfairly or you see somebody treat anybody unfairly, I think you need to speak up and not be silent anymore. Number two, I think we need to begin the process of engaging in local government. I think we need to watch what when all these cities are meeting, you need to know the policies they're coming up with that will govern your kids. It's your job to pull that off. I think, how are you going to say you want to march but you don't want to go vote and you're not even registered to vote? I think your 
your job is to make sure that your vote count and your vote matters. Number three, I think multi-ethnic relationships, you must have some. Too many of your friends look just like you. And it's your assignment to make sure that you realize this principle, that proximity leads to empathy. What does that mean? The more you hang out with somebody that don't look like you, the more empathetic you can be to them. But when you sit on the sidelines and just critique and not get to know the face of a person who don't look like you, then you can't do the process of really being empathetic to them. Number four, number four, you're not going to like this one. We we must deal with our unforgiveness and our bitterness. We, we have unforgiveness. When you see people that don't look like you sometimes, mm, I can't stand it. Mm, and you have this, this stuff boiling up inside of you. Racism is not born, it is taught. And you and I must be careful what we say with our mouth, especially in front of our kids. We've got to make sure we're dealing with our own unforgiveness and the stuff that just wants to boil over. We must make sure we deal with it. And then lastly, listen now, we must practice parental wisdom without bitterness. Parental wisdom without bitterness. Be careful what you say when you're looking at TV shows. Be careful what you say when you see a cop pulls you over or somebody else over. Be careful what you say because you're teaching them at the same time. So I'm, I'm saying you got to be protective, you got to be guarded, but do it with wisdom. Because one, listen, listen, one of the fruit of the Spirit that tells you're walking with God is peace. And you must have it, and you must be one who gives it. One of the fruit of the Spirit. That's why you don't get to do whatever you want. You don't because what we get to do as Christians, we don't operate based on the same rules as the rest of the world. So my brothers and sisters, here we go. You're in the waiting room. And the question is, you're going to wait on God or are you going to exit early? If you do, it's coming right back at you. Another waiting room is waiting if you fail this test. Father, thank you for every person listening, God. I just pray that as they simply share what they're waiting on, I pray that you'll help our team and our staff to pray for every last one. God, we pray that, that, that our desires, will, we will be willing to hold them with an open hand. And God, if you have better desires for us, then will you replace it so that we can cry out to you for your will and not just ours. Will you raise up a generation of believers that love you and that desire to serve you more than anything else? Will we not focus on the when? Will we not focus on the what? But will you help us to focus on the who? We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.